Good morning. Good to see everyone here. I know it's kind of rough to get out today. Uh, I have a special announcement to make this morning. Uh, it's about a special person. We have someone in our congregation here who has just crossed over a milestone with the, with the family. I'm talking about Darius. Darius, would you come on up here? This guy has finished the adoption process, and now he is a full-fledged member of Camille and Daniel and Elijah and Gabriel's family. So how about that? He, he wants to be, uh, go by Darius now as he uh, has an official family, you know, legal family, and we're just so happy for him. And of course, you know, now he's our legal grandchild. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, Darius, we're so happy to have you. We're just uh, praying for you that, you're, that God would use you in very special ways and thankful that you're in a good family. Let me pray for Darius now. Father, we thank you for Darius and thank you for the boy that he is and the talents that he has and his good attitude and just the joy of being around him. And I thank you, Lord, that he is our grandson and, Lord, that he's in a good family. And pray your blessing upon him as he grows up, as he looks at life, at each time he gets older and decides what he's going to do, help him to follow you closely and always choose you. And Lord, may you protect him and help him and use him in, your, in, in any kind of way that you would use him to help others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, guy. Let's pray before we begin. Lord, please help us to understand your word in a deep way so that we could put it into our lives, you know, throughout our days, throughout our weeks, and use it to your glory. And for our benefit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> you know, last Sunday, we began our new year by looking into some what we called, or I called, Christian New Year's resolutions. And we talked about the extreme importance of allowing the Word of God to be our guide in life, to be the guide in our life, allowing it to fill our minds and our hearts and shape our attitudes and our lives. And of course, that requires spending regular time in the Word. And then, hopefully, we grow in love with the Word and let it soak in and meditate upon it. Now this morning, I would like us to look into the subject of prayer. There's so much we could say about prayer, so much you know, in the Bible about prayer. <clears throat> in one of the most well-loved passages of the Bible, I'm talking about the Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he begins, Jesus begins his teaching on prayer by telling his followers not to go stand on street corners 
and just try to show how great you are or, or how holy you are by standing there and praying in front of everybody. And then he tells them not to babble on like the pagans, thinking that the more words they use, maybe the more gods they talk to, the more that you know, we can maybe, they can maybe have these gods do things for them. And you know, <clears throat> what that is, is that Jesus, as he was talking about prayer in the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he was telling them not to be like the Pharisees and not to be like the pagans. And so what they saw in their lives were these Pharisees standing there and trying to show everybody that they were praying and they would pray on street corners and they would go through all the motions and everything so everybody knew exactly what they were doing and they'd spend these long times in prayer. And so they kind of looked holy on the outside. You know, and people kind of saw them as, well, you know, they, they live up here. And Jesus says, that's not good. That's not the way to be holy. And so Jesus goes on to tell them about prayer. So I'd like to look at some aspects of prayer because prayer is a very vital part of our Christian faith. Prayer is one of the strongest connections that we have, the most vital connection that we have with God as we talk to him and as we worship him and as we you know, meditate upon him. And when we neglect prayer which is really, you know, so easy to do if we get real busy. Um, <clears throat> you know, things happen in our lives, and uh, you can always kind of like push prayer aside if you need more time. And if we do that, we may be missing out on a very crucial aspect of our relationship with Jesus Christ and the Father. And we may be forfeiting great blessings and maybe even the protection that we may need during our time and during our walk as Christians. And so, you know, prayer is something that's easy to just kind of pass over and neglect, but it's so costly if we do that. So I'd like to begin our look into the Bible and its teaching on prayer. We can only do a little bit of what the Bible says about prayer. But I'd like to begin with uh, the Gospel of Luke and chapter 11. And I want to read the first four, four verses at the beginning here. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. That kind of says something to me because, you know, <clears throat> these fishermen, these rugged apostles, you know, I'm sure, well, I'm guessing they didn't have a real strong prayer life. And they see Jesus praying, and that's, that's attractive to them. They, they want to know how to pray like that. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. 
Now, Jesus begins this prayer by offering praise and glory to God. We'll just go back there. Father, hallowed be your name. And so that means God's name is to be exalted and glorified. You know, in our nation, because of the way that our founders, you know, established our nation, we had this kind of a general fear of God in a sense and, and a general um, admiration of the Bible as the word of God, as the good book. And even people who didn't really follow God or believe in Christ, you know, put their faith in Christ, they also had that kind of sense that they lived in this current, this, this atmosphere of God is holy. And, you know, when I was growing up, and I grew up in a, in a family that <clears throat> we prayed, and my friends on, in the neighborhood, they didn't. They, they just weren't religious at all. And, you know, they would swear, and then if they remembered I was with them, they'd say, oh, sorry. <laughs> And that's just the way people used to do it. It doesn't happen that way anymore. <laughs> if people swear, that's just them swearing. So we've kind of lost that presence, that feeling of the presence of God in our lives or in our culture. But as with his true children, we need to see him as high and holy and exalted, worthy of all honor and glory, don't we? I mean, he isn't just the man upstairs, is he? And this prayer says that his name is to be hallowed. His name is to be lifted up. His name is above all other names. It doesn't belong with all other names. It's above all other names. And even Jesus, as he prayed to the Father, he treated the Father's name that way. And it says, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. You know, before I became a Christian, I really didn't even know anything about the kingdom. But we're looking toward the kingdom. Uh, we long for the kingdom because we long for everything to be set right. We long for the righteous rule of Jesus Christ. There's so much injustice and and hatred and cheating and corruption going on throughout our world. People going everything for themselves, so much selfishness. And we long to see him exalted, Jesus Christ exalted and glorified, and all evil cast out in that eternal kingdom. We're going to be a part of that eternal kingdom, and we're saying, may your kingdom come, and may it be done here on earth, we're going to see as it is in heaven. And Jesus said we should pray for our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. Now, you know, in our situation, in this wealthy nation that we live in, we don't really feel a need to pray for our daily bread. I mean, you know, our, our refrigerators are stacked full and our cupboards are full and even things, you know, in a pantry, all types of food maybe. But you know, even in a wealthy society like ours, 
we still need to turn to God for our needs, don't we? I mean, we just can't take him for granted. And if we do, we just start going downhill in our faith. We still need to remember that no matter how self-sufficient we feel, you know, that we have good jobs, nice homes, uh, our prosperity. But none of that is guaranteed, is it? Our, pros our current prosperity is not guaranteed at all. And if we could see reality, except for what we see right in front of us, you know, right in front of us looks really good. And, and I enjoy it, of course. We all enjoy it. But we know that circumstances can change. And sometimes in a very short period of time. And they can put us into a whole different scenario. So even in a time of plenty, we still need to remember that God is the one who is in control of all things. And we may feel like we're in control if we have a lot. But ultimately, even when we have a lot, we need to remember that we need to put our hopes in God. And we need to actually go to him and sincerely pray to him for our daily needs. I think we need to be in that mindset, <clears throat> which, is, which is very hard for us. But I think we need to just force ourselves to be in that mindset that it's all from God. And we need to go to him for our daily needs. And if we really focus on that, we can start developing that attitude that, that's just from God, and that's all. And then Jesus says we need to ask God for forgiveness regularly. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Uh, I think sometimes we need to work on that part of forgiving everyone who sins against us, don't we? So, you know, Jesus is saying we need to go to God for forgiveness continually, and we need to continually forgive others the way God forgives us. And so... That's another aspect of what Jesus is trying to do with our, you know, to help us go in our lives. And then he says, so, oh, wait a minute. Uh, and lead us not into temptation. Now, that doesn't mean we are asking God to quit putting us into temptation tempting situations, serious temptation. It really means we're asking God for special help because of our human weaknesses. We're asking God to help us, lead us not into temptation, help us not to be pushed into temptation or to walk into temptation because of our propensity to sin. It's, a, it's really a declaration of frailty, human frailty. We're asking God to give us special help so that we're not overtaken by sin. Because we are all vulnerable, aren't we? I mean, we could be living this wonderful life for God and then all of a sudden, you know, we just get sidetracked and maybe it's just a slow movement to another place. We've seen people that were doing so well in their Christian lives and then just something caught a hold of them, different things. 
and then they just start drifting, and it's a slow process. So we need to keep praying. Lead us not into temptation. Lord, help us as we face difficult things. Help me not to fall. The flesh is weak. But what we're saying is we need to live in dependence upon God. We must realize that we could drift, that we could go in the wrong way, no matter how great our lives are going. And we need to be totally dependent upon God. And that's, part, that's that prayer, isn't it? It's that daily prayer of being connected to God all the time, every day. So now I want to finish the passage as it gives us an important lesson on prayer. 5 through 13. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now, Laura and I took a class at, a Bible, at the Bible college where a man who was a kind of a lifelong missionary to Iran uh, and, and all the missionaries got kicked out at one point back in the, I guess it was late 70s, early 80s. Uh, and <clears throat> so this guy was teaching at the Bible college as he uh, was forced back into the United States. And so he was explaining this passage, and he said, you know, in a lot of homes, and some of you probably already know this, in a lot of homes like in the Middle East, you have everybody sleeping in the same room, you know, which might be the living room. And so if the father is going to get up and give somebody food, he has to step over every child. And then so he'll wake up everybody. He says, go away, we're all sleeping. I don't want to get every, 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 all of our kids are in bed. Because, you know, in our, our situation, if our kids are in bed, we could still get up and give somebody food, right? But he explained that to us, and it would have been a, just a, a major disruption if he had to go and get food and give it to this guy. So it was something he really didn't want to do. And he tells his friend, go away. But let's finish the passage here. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, you know, the friendship wasn't a strong enough motivation for him to get it, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. (laughs) That makes me laugh. (laughs) So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, you know, just the human condition, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you... Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this man comes to visit at night, 
He doesn't have any food. Neighbor says his kids are already laid down. To me, the interesting thing is that Jesus says, even though the man would not get up and help because of their friendship, you know, even the friendship wasn't enough to get him up. But he did get up because of the man's shameless audacity. His boldness. His undying determination to get that bread to feed his guest. So this neighbor then, because of that, answers this request for food and gives him as much as he needs. And so what is Jesus saying? I think it's pretty clear. Keep praying. Keep praying. You know, this man goes from... It's funny. He goes from, sorry... You have to go away. I can't get up. My kids will wake up to giving him as much as he needs. <laughs> he doesn't just throw a piece of bread out the window. There. He's so convinced. I mean, he's so pulled to what this man needs that he gives him as much as he needs. And Jesus is making a strong point here, isn't he? He's telling us to be persistent in prayer, persistent with God, certainly not in a disrespectful way, not in a way that diminishes God's proven love and care for us. You know, you may have dealt with someone in a very tough time in their life, and you say, you hear them say, you know, God isn't with me anymore. I followed him, I've been faithful, I've served in my church, but he's just not helping me. I mean, he's put me aside. And Jesus is saying, even in those times when somebody treats you badly, you've done good and somebody treats you badly, even if something disappears, you know, things that you had and thought were yours forever, and they're gone, they're taken from you. Jesus says, just saying, Keep knocking. Hang in there. Keep coming to the door. Keep knocking. It's amazing that <clears throat> Jesus you know, and the Father are telling us, don't give up. Just keep asking. Just keep coming to me. Just bring it every time. Just keep coming. <clears throat> I don't think that many of us would have thought of this if it hadn't been coming from God himself telling us to do this. We probably would have put a number, <clears throat> excuse me, a number on it, you know. <clears throat> Go three times, and if it doesn't work, just keep coming because of the shameless audacity. <clears throat> Anybody feel shamelessly audacity? Whatever the word is. Audacious. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, Robert. <clears throat> He's saying, hang in there. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. Keep asking. And at some point, the door will be opened. And it probably won't be on our timetable that it gets opened. You know, it usually isn't according to the way at the time that we would want it. 
and probably not in the way that we had mapped out it happening. You know, when we're praying for something, <clears throat> when we're praying for something, I think it's just normal, natural to just think of how it will be answered by God. You know, we're praying because maybe we're praying that somebody will come over at a certain time or whatever. But oftentimes, God does it in a way that we haven't been, haven't thought up. And so it doesn't come at the time we're thinking often, and it doesn't come in the package that we put together for God to, to deliver. And so sometimes it comes maybe years later. And it comes in a much better way. We're in a better situation or a different situation where it really helps and it, it makes such a major difference in our lives. That's the way God delivers so often. And sometimes it takes you through suffering. And sometimes it takes you through loss. And sometimes it takes you through, you know, even almost regret and depression or whatever. But God is working it out. And it's interesting that, <clears throat> to me, that Jesus is telling them, and it's coming from the Father too, of course, keep knocking. Be audacious. Keep coming. Keep asking. Keep searching. And Jesus says, if your earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And when he says the Holy Spirit, I mean, he's talking about eternal life itself. He seals us as an authentic child of his through giving us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers us. And he's our, part of our communication with God is through the Holy Spirit. And there's no greater gift. There's no greater gift in the world, anywhere, whatever, than the Holy Spirit being given to us. It's life eternal. It's, it's the presence of God inside of us. It's spiritual knowledge. It's, it's the answer to everything. So if he's going to give us the Holy Spirit, what else would he not, would he hold back? So here's the deal. Jesus is saying that prayers we pray in good faith will be answered. It's a solid guarantee. But often it will be answered in God's way. And his timing and for the best results. And sometimes it won't be the thing that we asked for, but he will answer our prayer, but he won't give us something that's not good for us. <clears throat> and we may not even recognize that he was answering that prayer that we had. But God will answer it to our good if we have the right attitude toward him. But we've got to just keep Keep our faith there and keep asking, keep searching, keep uh, coming to him in prayer. And in Luke 18, <clears throat> Jesus tells us about a widow who goes to a judge who was uncaring and lazy. And the widow was seeking justice 
But the judge didn't care. It didn't bother him that she wasn't being treated right. But the widow never gave up. She just coming back and kept coming back and kept coming back. And so in verse 18, or chapter 18, the judge says, But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Now, here's my amazement at this. It's amazing to me that God is telling us to just keep asking, just keep coming, just keep coming. I, I would have never thought, I would have never taught somebody that that's what God does if I hadn't seen it here. I would have said, look, just ask him and then quit bothering him, right? Or, you know, he's, he's told you no. But, you know, Jesus is saying, keep asking, keep coming, keep praying, you know, whatever it is. If it's a family matter, if it's, somebody, if it's for a person, you know, a person to get saved, a trouble in the family, you know, money problems, just keep praying. And it doesn't say don't, you know, seek help in other ways, but behind all that, keep praying to God. Keep it up, keep it before God. And he says, and will not God bring justice Is there another verse there? Nope. It says, Will not God bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? And so really the message is, pray, 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 pray. Strengthen that connection between you and God through prayer. Now, you know, as we look at these passages that deal with prayer, it seems the reason to me, seems to me the reason we don't put more stock into it is because we're not thinking along the same lines that God is. You know, as we've already seen, our idea of answered prayer isn't always God's idea. His ways are much higher than ours, right? He's bringing in so much more than we're thinking of. We're just thinking of this one thing that we want or one thing that we need help in. And he's thinking of the whole big picture. Of course, you can see that, you know, as he brought Christ in for, you know, Christ was promised ever since Adam. Look at all that happened before Christ came. His ways are so much higher. We have this tiny scenario in which we come to God for help. And where there's just this one person, we're asking him to help us in this matter. While God has this worldwide, multifaceted, much more glorious plan that he's accomplishing. And we are a part of that plan. Now, I want you to brace yourselves as we look at this next prayer. And this will be, as we head towards the end here, 
And it's going to be a prayer from the Apostle Paul for the Ephesian church in which he prays they can get a glimpse of what God is doing for them and how great God is. Now, we're not going to really take this prayer apart, but I want you just to let it sink in and, and, and see how uh, immense this prayer is. It's in Ephesians chapter 1, <clears throat> 15 through 23. Now, try to just take this in. Paul says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, he's telling the Ephesians this, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. So this is Paul's prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. That's the power, Christ, that God is using to help us. The same power for which he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, under Christ's feet, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, that, that's kind of mind-boggling. So when we talk about the Christian faith, it isn't just one faith among many, is it? The Christian faith is the ultimate faith. It's the faith that leads us to the essence, to, to the essence of all goodness and love and belonging. It's becoming a true child of God, of the eternal King of glory. It's being given a gift that exceeds everything else anyone could ever even imagine. With the power that God used to raise Christ from the dead. And we are so undeserving. And the love that went into this gift is so immeasurable. We are sons and daughters of the glorious king of all eternity. The most powerful being. And through faith in Christ, he has welcomed us into his family. And so, to see it again, let's go back to just verse 17. And try to grasp just a, a tiny fraction of what 
God's unbelievable love toward us in Christ is. Actually, I'm, I was going to go more than just verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, you know, that understanding of what God is doing, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So that you may know him better. Let's pray.